This is the Mostly NU Podcast. Welcome to episode 8 of the Mostly NU Podcast. Bryce here, joined by my brother Callum, recording in person for the first time on a little family vacation this week here with Callum. Um, pretty pretty exciting week for Northwestern basketball. Maybe one of the best weeks in program history. Came into the new AP poll for us today at 21st. Maybe even ranked a little low there, getting a little disrespect. Um, probably the consensus number two team in the conference right now. So really, really good times for program. But let's jump right into it with the recap of the Indiana game. So Calm start us off. Yeah, I mean, what an unreal performance it was from us to come out of the gates uh, the way that we did. Uh, the way Chase is knocking down threes to hold Indiana to 20 points. Just, I would argue, that's one of the best halves we've played all season. Um, and the big thing that was great for us in that game uh, – we held them to just five offensive rebounds. I know we've talked about rebounding definitely being a big struggle for us this year. And to see that number keep going down for these other teams, I know we saw it go down against Purdue. Um, and to see it continue to go down against Indiana um, is just amazing to see. And I think we talked about, you know, let Trace Jackson Davis do his, his little thing. He certainly played amazing. He played as the second best player in the conference. He is, you know, 23 points. Uh, was that like 10 rebounds, eight assists? But – we're going to let that happen. The only guys that could do anything for them were him, Ray Thompson and Jalen Hutchifino. So if you can just limit their options to three, it gives you a great chance to win the game. Um, so just really proud of how, how everyone played um, against Indiana. Really impressed with everyone all around. Yeah. And a note on the offense or the defensive rebounding you mentioned. So we end up defensive rebounding 80%, which Indiana, like you mentioned, really strong rebounding team in. It's just a matter of effort, I think, from our guys. You know, this was a game, and I think we'll talk about the same thing with Iowa. We really controlled the physicality. They were not prepared for how physical we played in the first half. That's why we jumped jumped on them. They made some adjustments in the second half. But TJD, especially in the post, I think just made five points in the first half. So he was not prepared for the physicality. And I think that's what allowed us to have that great first half. Yes, the shooting helped, but holding them to only 20 points in the first half, you know you're going to have the lead if you do that at home. Yeah, and I think a big thing, I think when you talk about the physicality there, it goes back to the toughness of this Northwestern team. It's, you know, after a Purdue game, you come to this Indiana game, and once again, you only shoot, what, 24% from three, and you still are able to walk away with a win um, is a testament to the toughness. I know Indiana fans will say that physicality is really just, uh, you know, the refs don't want to call it or something like that, but that's just a testament to how Chris Collins has coached this team and how tough these guys are. Absolutely. And I think um, in terms of kind of keys to the game for us, it's obvious, you know, Boo, again, just showing what he's capable of, showing that he is a first-team All-Big Ten potentially level player, really stepping up to the plate here late in the season, got it done late, whether it was that final bucket he made to to win the game or the pass he gives to Titus with two minutes left to get that key bucket from us, really good numbers for him. Um, in this one super efficient night for him which is something he's getting better at two really efficient games maybe two of the most efficient games he's had in his career with this Indiana and Iowa game and you know even on the rebounding side Boo gets six rebounds in that game so you know really does it all for us against IU. Yeah going off of what you said about Boo that's been the big key to this five game winning streak here is the way he's been able to play. A big thing you've seen from him in the last uh, two or three years 
has been those games where he wants to take 25 shots or something like that. He wants to try and take over. But what you're able to see now against Indiana, Iowa, Purdue, is you can get all of these opportunities that you need, but go to the hoop. You know, he hasn't been shooting that well this year. He's understanding his role a little bit better, not trying to force up 10 or something threes a game, but just take four or five threes a game, make sure they know you're a threat, and work more as a facilitator and a driver to the hoop to facilitate the offense from there. And just one other player I kind of want to call out here before we get into some of the other non-basketball-related things to do with that game, because I know there are quite a few, is Robbie. I really want to call out, one, he was really quick to pull trigger on threes, which he absolutely should be. He's a solid shooter for us, and he had a lot of open looks and also driving to the basket. So I think that was a important key for us. You know, um, Even if those shots aren't falling, still good to get Robbie his looks every night. I know there's some games where he's not really the first guy to look for his own shot, but really was happy to see him looking for his shots in that game. Yeah, he, he was amazing. All the guys continue to be great off the bench. Uh, Titus, uh, Brooks, Nick Martinelli, obviously. I mean, even like Roy Dixon coming in there for yeah. about 15 seconds. Um, you know, you'll love to see that. I know the, the wild side certainly loves to see him in the last two games for the yeah. 30 seconds of action. Absolutely. Uh, but going into the more non-basketball stuff, I think, that's where I got most of my uh, personal enjoyment <laughs> from the game was – you know, last week I talked about how Purdue seemed to be the most psychotic fan base in, in the Big Ten. I think Indiana might have topped them. I don't know <laughs> what your thoughts are on that, but that was a really, like, one-two performance right there from yeah. Indiana and Purdue Twitter to see who was most psychotic. Um, and, you know, who would have thought going into this year that there would be one thing that could unite an Indiana and a Purdue fan, <laughs> and that would be Northwestern, Boo Booey, Chase Audige. <laughs> who, who would have thought? Yeah, the potentially the most hated team in the Big Ten right now, uh, which is really crazy to say. Um, I don't know if I think Indiana or Purdue Twitter was more crazy. I think Purdue just because theirs was constant throughout the whole game. IU was mad about one single play. Purdue was seemingly mad about everything that happened to the game. But I also see way more Purdue stuff than I see Indiana stuff. I think my uh, there's obviously a number of tweets that I could go back to that I thought was pretty funny, I think. Certainly, I think it was assembly call saying that, well, I mean, does this this win really even count for Northwestern because of the push-off? And <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't know if we should even really consider this a win after that. I yeah. mean, right? But the personal favorite was there was a number of Indiana fans that were really mad that we put off the smoke guns with about a second left before their three-quarter court shot attempt. Um, so, honestly, I would think the Big Ten should really review into this game and and question whether or not this is a legitimate win for Northwestern because we did put the smoke cannons off with with about 2.7 seconds to go. Yeah, I saw that people were pretty upset about that, and I think it's a nice tweet someone put out was, the reason that people are acting like this is because they cannot understand that Northwestern is just a good basketball team, so they need to find any excuse um, to blame someone else other than just, you know, what, Northwestern has good players, they're a really good team, so people are just having a hard time admitting that. And I think the other great thing about the game was just Everything with Miller Cop. I know some people weren't super happy about the chance. I think Collins had a video before the Iowa game saying it'd be a little more respectful. But uh, you know what? A player leaves, transfers to your school where he's playing 30 minutes a game and goes in-state, or not in-state, goes in-conference. Obviously, he's going to get a lot of hatred for that. And that's all in good fun, I think. So the Miller stuff was a lot of fun. And to see him struggle against Northwestern is awesome, frankly. So love to see that, too. And I, I love it because I want to be the villain. Yeah, that's absolutely. 
all publicity is good publicity. Uh, I think it's the old say, old saying. So if they're thinking about us, yeah. right, and you know IU fans and Purdue fans and Big Ten fans will just go, oh, well, it's the first time you've ever been good in thirty years or hundred years. Yeah. All right, who, who cares? Like yeah. that was fifty years ago. Yeah. I think I, I said a tweet that in our our nineteen thirty one national championship, which we should not forget about, is just as relevant as Indiana's in eighty seven. So yeah, that that didn't rub Indiana Twitter the right way but yeah so really exciting Indiana game just you know I don't think a lot of us felt super great about that IU win but really carried the momentum for us so I think we can move on to the Iowa recap now so just another fantastic win in this game I really felt even worse about even with the Indiana win I was just not a team we've matched up well historically against I was looking back at some of the games under the Chris Collins era and I mean we got lost by 20 they put up I think over 100 in the Big Ten tournament last year so Really a team we've struggled against. So to come out, get that win at home, um, carrying that momentum is just so huge. Collins showing, you know, the ability to make adjustments. And I know Iowa wasn't shooting great from three, but we really took them to the woodshed regardless of how they shot from three. So just a really impressive win. And I will call out, before we get into it, Billy McKinney um, honored at halftime or during one of the media timeouts during the game and getting his number retired really emotional moment for him and a lot of the fans there so if you haven't seen that video certainly check it out great to see a legendary player for the program someone who's still involved calling the games on radio get uh, that recognition yeah that was awesome to see a northwestern legend like that get uh get the honor he deserves and i was surprised that that's the first number that northwestern has ever put up into the rafters for any sport yeah uh, that was surprising to hear but really an awesome honor for him uh, but going into the game here is the big thing, biggest takeaway I have from this game is this proves to me how good we can be if we can shoot the ball. Yeah, This is the first time that we've shot – I mean, we shot the ball well against Ohio State. But for most of these big wins this season, Ohio, or Purdue, Indiana, we aren't shooting the ball all that impressively. So if we can shoot yeah. the ball – shoot the three at a, a 40, even a 40% clip. I know we shot oh, yeah. 50% this game. If we can shoot it at a 40% clip come those big games when you get hot in the tournament for a weekend and, and wherever, you know, you're looking at getting an upset against someone yeah. March is only, you know, six games long if you go all the way. So it doesn't take much to get hot just to then see kind of what the ceiling is of this Northwestern team. Cause I know going into this, we didn't feel too great. It's not a team we match up with, but we shoot the ball well. Yeah. And this just absolutely beat the brakes off of a very good Iowa team. Yeah, just after the Indiana game, I tweeted that we were averaging under 20% from three in the wins against Purdue and Indiana. So that's beating two of the top teams in the conference, shooting so low, and then we do what I said, you know, we're capable of. We finally shoot the ball well against Iowa. We show we're capable of. We get a 20-point win. So I think that should give us fans of Northwestern hope for March and also other teams. I'd be a little scared. Northwestern's not a team I really want to play. We certainly can get it done offensively as we showed putting up 80 points against Iowa. Yeah, that was that was unreal. The the one thing I want to talk about, so after the game, I'm personally pretty big into the the Ken Palm rankings, the statistical mm-hmm. analysis. And generally for most of the season we've been pretty low in the Ken Palm rankings, sitting around the 50, 60 mark. We just win against Indiana, Purdue, uh, Iowa, Ohio State dominate Iowa and usually a big thing for him is he likes dominant wins that really really helps you out so it's not a luck-based win yeah we only went up five I was kind of surprised to see that 
Um, so especially when it's not something like the AP poll that is so subjective, I was really surprised to see why we still sit so low in, in these statistical rankings. And I just cannot figure it out for the life of me. Yeah. Hard to say why I'm not totally familiar with how they calculate it, but I think for one, like you said, he doesn't, Ken Palm's rankings, at least he doesn't really care that much about wins and losses. I think it carries more weight, just kind of how you win close losses, things to that nature, just because luck can be something that plays a factor in games but I think what's great to see is that now we can say it we are going to be playing in March we don't have to worry about where we rank in Ken Palm net anything like that no matter what happens we're playing in March so even after the IU game you know maybe you lose out something crazy happens but now 11 conference wins it does not matter what happens we are playing in March we're not playing in the first four we're in for sure and that's a pretty crazy thing to be saying right now yeah, and we're not we're not playing to be in March. We're playing for the seed now. Yeah, um, I'd say our goal right now, uh, with the games we have left. I mean, we still have a lot of tough games left. You know, obviously Illinois, Maryland, Penn State, Rutgers, three tournament teams, and then you have the Big Ten tournament. I mean, you want to try and get to that five seed, that four yeah. seed, right? We're sitting at at the six or five seed mark right now. So it is amazing to. I mean, even in the season we went to the tournament in twenty seventeen. It was just about making the tournament. Yeah. Uh, never was there a discussion of ah, what seed do we get? Heck, I could barely even remember what seed we got um, thinking back to that. But to be in the position where we're thinking about, oh, man, can we get up to that four line? Can we get into that top 16 is really just an un- unreal spot to be at at this point in the year. Yeah, it is. And I think, honestly, the goal for the team at this point of the season should be to vie for a Big Ten title. I mean, we're one game back. We're in position to compete for a Big Ten title, you know, I saw today one of the projections is our most likely place to finish in the Big Ten is second. So that should be the goal for these guys, you know, shoot for the stars and getting a double bye should be a no-brainer, I think, for us at this point. But really the goal, I think, should be to win the Big Ten. But just getting back to the Iowa game a little bit, I think Titus and Big Matt's performance was really impressive. I think they combined for maybe 17 points. Big Matt, I think one thing I've seen over the season is really just improving on his ability to finish at the rim. He's getting similar looks as he has all year, but now he's actually able to finish the job, which is so massive. One of those first games of the year, I remember he missed maybe four or five shots around the rim, and Chris said, hey, we just need to keep working with him, get him to finish those shots. And that's just one of the things we've seen with so many guys is they take those mistakes early in the year, and then within a few weeks, they're showing that improvement on him. So that's really great to see. And Titus as well had a really nice game, showed his ability to kind of finish, be a little creative in the paint. So that was great to see. Yeah. Cause that ability then opens up booze creativity as well mm-hmm. because he's big Matt's able to make difficult catches. I think that's really the big thing that gets so tough when you're that tall is coming down, gathering that and going up quick with it. No right. bobble, but just getting right into that shot that then has ripple effects across the entire offense. Now the, the big men, the Trace Jackson Davis, the Philip Rabashas, the Zach Edies have to be worried more about, big mat to then open up the space on the perimeter for guys like, you know, Ty to hit down some big threes yeah. like he did against Iowa, uh, which is just huge on the offense to open it up like that. Yeah. And I think one thing too, we can look for down the stretcher a little more is how this team can make improvements, right? It doesn't need to be focused solely on one game anymore, getting crucial wins. It can be, how does this team get better? How does this team kind of get ready for those big, important games late in the season? But anything else here? on the Iowa game before we move into the Illinois preview? Yeah, I think there's one thing we should we should talk about a little bit. It's just the, the McCaffrey family yeah. with the – I mean, I can't remember the exact score, but I, I want to say it was about a 10-point, 8-point game when he gets that yeah. that double yeah. T. Yeah. It's like the game's not 
not over. I would started that second off half off really well, um, playing pretty good basketball. I think they made their what first five shots to start yeah, the half. Because yeah. that's when I mean, obviously that's how we kind of fell fell behind in the or not fell behind, but let Indiana back into the game earlier in the week. And for him to go just so ballistic, so crazy, yeah. is just wild to see. Yeah. I mean, I, he does it every game. I mean, that's why there's the yeah. Francon meme. Yeah. But just to see it so often is just bizarre. And then, of course, for his son to get the tea as well, yeah. just really for it to go full circle in the family is, is pretty funny to see. It's it's really funny to see in the Northwestern student section. They handled it well with the where's, where's your daddy chance. That's really fun to see. And I think another example of just making a fan base really frustrated, and that's what we want. We want people to think, well, Shrine's a really tough place to play, and it is, I mean, now becoming one of the toughest places to play this year, these last few games. I really don't think that you can get much better atmosphere than we've had the last three games. I know it wasn't perfect all year, but the way that the students are coming out right now, you you can't beat them. And I would say, I think there's definitely been some people on Twitter saying it, Northwestern Athletics really needs to – give these students more tickets. It's, it is frustrating to see, like, especially against uh, Indiana, when the camera is shaking when Indiana right. is doing well. Yeah. And why not? It's a sellout, but it's not really a sellout. It's just Indiana bought all the tickets. Right. Why not give the students more seats? I know it's kind of tough to go back in, in retrospect, right. but just pay those Indiana fans back for their tickets. Just yeah. say, you know what? No, you don't get a ticket. Give them their money back. Who cares? We're we're the home team. Who, yeah. who cares? We give yeah. them their money back. They didn't lose any money, yeah. right? I don't, maybe that's a little too far to go, but it's tough to do at this point in the season. I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, I understand that Northwestern wasn't expecting the great student turnout, and you know, defending Northwestern University a little bit here is that in past years, it's not like the students have been chomping at the bit to get tickets. So I understand what they wanted to do there, but I think the biggest thing is just going to be what they do next season, right? The students have shown they're willing to come out and the hype should be there for next season no matter what happens here to end the year so hopefully they can make an adjustment get more seats for the students figure out you know sell more season tickets maybe lower the prices do something to bring in more northwestern fans and less purdue indiana iowa michigan state michigan illinois fans literally pretty much every big school in the big 10 yeah and then hopefully the people in the wilson club also show up as well yeah always frustrating to see that section empty that one's always tough too because those are the fans who I Donate know. the most money in college athletics is a big money game, but uh, I agree. It's a little embarrassing. I wish they would set up a better system maybe to donate tickets or give tickets to other season ticket holders, something along those lines. Um, but, you know, I have faith in the Northwestern Athletic Department. I think generally they've done a good job. I think Derek Rags doing a nice job right now. So I think we're in good hands and we can trust them to make good adjustments in the offseason. All right, let's move here into the Illinois preview, Callum. Take us away with what you've got. This is a Thursday game for us at 8 p.m. This is a road game, start of a two-game road stretch for us here. Yeah, so after we took down Illinois, they were able to rip off uh, seven of eight wins um, up until the start of February. But since then, um, you know, they've lost three of four. Their last loss at Indiana, not something you can really harp on too much, came down to the wire, kind of comes down to a missed free throw that caught it could have sent it to overtime. Um, but the game before that is kind of another tough one where Jalen Pickett just kind of scores 41. Um, so those last two losses um, obviously go down in the loss column, but not games where I'm saying, like, dang, this Illinois team is, is really, really struggling. I think the big one of the biggest things to the game right now that I would be looking at is will Terrence Shannon be playing? Yeah, um, He's not playing tonight against Minnesota. 
um, as we record this podcast. So it'll be a big thing to keep our eye on as the week goes forward um, after he suffered a concussion uh, against Penn State. But the big thing uh, that I, Illinois did start to change as we played them earlier in the season, they started off the season in an unfamiliar defense to them as Brad Underwood wanted them to switch a lot of the screens, thinking he had a pretty well-balanced athletic team. But this is not something that Illinois had really done in the past, and this is why they really struggled against teams like Missouri and some like early non early non conference games, and uh, in, in conference games losing to you know Maryland, Penn State, and us. Um, but recently they've gone back to the way that they've always played defense, and this is when they've really been able to step up after that Northwestern game, and why they've been able to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten and show why they were a preseason top twenty team. So that's a big thing to notice in this game is that they're more much more comfortable on defense. So that'll be uh, a definite struggle for us, um, them just being more comfortable in who they are and finding out they know their identity now. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me is when we last previewed this game, we last took a recap at this game, was that Illinois wasn't really sure who they were. And as you mentioned, they've been playing really well lately. Certainly one of the top teams in the conference, without a doubt. Like you mentioned, those losses they have aren't bad losses. When Jalen Pickett goes off like that, there's nothing anyone's going to be able to do. So... Certainly just a completely different team. Brad has done a good job of kind of getting his team to rally. Certainly it could have been a team like Ohio State that maybe things started to slip away. But they've got the team ready to play together. And I think Matthew Meyer, I think that's the biggest concern for me. He is, to me, their best player outside of Terrence Shannon. Um, Just the fact that he is a good three-point shooter. He is really active on defense. He plays really hard, feels like the anchor to that team. So if we can maybe try to shut him down, that'd be a big focal point for me, um, trying to contain him and maybe let that affect the rest of the team. I think Dane Danger is just a really solid player inside too. Big Matt will have his hands full. I think that's a better matchup for Big Matt than it is for Titus with Danger's size. So just staying active on the glass like we have. Those are two big matchups I'm going to watch. Then, of course, if Terrence Shannon plays – or not will be big as well. Yeah, the one matchup I'll be looking for is, is Coleman Hawkins against Robbie Barron. I know last game, it's something that every time I've watched Coleman, I've had a lot of questions about why doesn't he use his size more. I know Brad Underwood really wants him to be more of a facilitator, be more of a point forward rather than someone that posts up. But if you have a guy like Robbie on you, I don't know why you wouldn't try and use some of that size and yeah. length um, to get to the hoop. I know – he, he just is, a, I think, a better inside scorer than he is outside scorer, but he ends up doing a lot of this stuff um, outside, you know, taking 100 threes, just about as many threes as twos, despite him shooting over 60% from inside the arc and being much more efficient, only shooting 28% from three. So if I'm Robbie and I'm Chris, I'm saying give him that shot, right? He's right. only making a three a game. Right. Let him Let him shoot that. Don't get caught on Coleman driving to the basket. I know yep. he put Trace Jackson Davis on a poster last week. Those are the areas you don't want to let him go. And then speaking more overall about this Illinois team, it's something that, you know, we struggle kind of with Iowa, that pace and athleticism that they yeah. kind of run with. And that's something that Illinois really likes to do. They have one of the more athletic teams in the Big Ten, Big yeah. Ten, them in Maryland, who we'll yeah. preview next. Um, it'll be something that we'll really have to uh, – show our identity in these games against these more athletic, quicker teams. As we've talked about before, we feel as though the more athletic teams don't necessarily match up as well to us, though proven wrong with the 
Indiana and Iowa games, games at home though. So playing on the road too, just another beast. Um, Assembly Hall, really tough place to play. I'm sure it'll be full on that Thursday night. A really big game for for both teams. Then there's one other player that I, I want to mention that I forgot to talk about earlier is Ty Rogers, one of their freshmen that's really been been coming on as of late in these last few games, uh, getting his most minutes here in these last two. He's really been killer on the glass, six six, but plays similar to a guy like a Mason Gillis, sure. at least on the glass and on the interior, just really fights hard for rebounds. So certainly someone, when he comes off the bench in the middle of these halves, to be not concerned by, but to pay attention to yeah. on the glass, certainly someone that they will need to put some focus to in the game plan. And I think to kind of bouncing off that, you mentioned strong rebounder. I think that physicality, as it is with every game, is going to be important for us. I do think that Illinois is certainly a team that's going to be a little more difficult to dictate how we want to play on. We did a nice job of it earlier in the year, but it was a team that was struggling to find themselves more. Certainly a team that will be playing scrappy. I think that's how Underwood kind of coaches his teams to play, and he certainly gets fired up at his guys. So I think they're more willing to embrace like a physical scrap than Purdue and Iowa and Indiana were, and I think that's what the keys for us were, is they weren't willing to get down dirty, but I think Illinois may be willing to get a little dirtier. Another thing, just at least on the last game with Illinois, the big thing that stood out and probably the reason we won the game is because we were able to get to the line 40 times yep. versus their 10 and outnumber them on, on free throws made uh, by 26. So that was certainly a, a big key to show that physicality, be that tougher team, and, and get to the line like that, force them into places they don't want to be. All right, let's move on here to the Maryland game. So this one will be Sunday, 11 a.m. start for us. At Maryland, a place that's been just about as tough as anywhere to play in the country this year. They've really been strong at home. Just recently, a win against Purdue followed that up with a kind of um, letdown loss against Nebraska on the road. But a team that's playing pretty well right now. So give us kind of your preview on Maryland. Maryland, a team not – I haven't really watched too much of them this year. I know we were talking. Yeah. It kind of feels like a team that has really gone under the radar for a lot of people this year just because of the general expectation going into the season that they weren't going to be that good, obviously, with their new coach, Kevin Willard. But at home this year, as you said, they haven't lost a game in the Big Ten, coming off a huge win against Purdue, uh, winners of the six of their last eight. Um, and then offensively, they really have a core four that they're going to be going to, and that's Jameer Young, Hakeem Hart, Dante Scott, and Julian Reese. Um, all th- Three of the four there are, are going to be threats from outside, um, athletic, very switchable guys. Don- or Julian Reese, the only guy that's really going to be more of a true center but the other three uh, is wing and guards are going to be able to be able to swing around the perimeter and be a very, very athletic team. Those four will be one of the more athletic groups that we'll see, not necessarily the biggest um, in terms of height or weight, but in terms of how quick they will be on the defensive end, not even as a pace perspective, sure. but if you watched any of that Purdue game, the way they were able to press Purdue all yeah. game, just be in their face on defense, put Purdue into uncomfortable situations, just as the way we did uh, to Purdue. Um, It'll certainly be – it's a fun team to watch defensively, uh, in my opinion, just the way they're able to really jump across ball to ball. Really, really impressive how athletic that team is. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe more of an important night for Titus to be on, right? A team that's going to be a little quicker, it sounds like. Inside, um, wanted to go a little smaller, so Titus certainly will need to have a good game. Yeah, and then another thing, 
they're actually one of the few teams in the Big Ten that shoots worse than us from three. Actually, them and them and Illinois are yep. two of the three that are not as good from three as we are um, from a just a statistical point on the number there. So that'll be something that's certainly nice to not have to necessarily worry about that three-point line as much. But with them driving to the hoop, certainly a big night for our bigs yep. to stay disciplined when they're driving to the hoop. Um, for our guards to be putting some pressure, not make those those drives to the hoop easy, and hopefully some big nights from Chase and Ty defensively. Hopefully they can get two, three steals to really make them uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and the two-point shooting you mentioned is one of the reasons why I feel better about this game than I do even about the Illinois game, even though we beat Illinois earlier in the year. I think that the fact that they really can't shoot from three, they don't want to shoot from three, they've got – 10th in the conference for percentage of points coming from three, um, but a lot more coming from the two points. So I think that like it has all season, you know, our two point defense has been strong and it's where we struggle is teams getting hot against us from three is when we've seen those bigger losses. So for me, that's something that I feel like favors us. And then another thing is that Maryland's 12th in tempo in conference play. So something again, I feel like that favors us. They will kind of play into our hands in terms of a slow game, a game that we want to play. So I think it's just a better matchup overall for us this week is this Maryland game, even though it has been one of the toughest places to play in the conference. Yeah, when you mentioned that tempo, it's something that I think I've talked about before here, but we don't want to get in that trap of a slow offensive possession. Because when you look at the breakdown of their possession length, you see that when they're on defense, they're allowing the longest possessions of any team in the country. Mm. So they're 363rd in that, averaging – um, on defense, their possessions are 19 seconds long. Okay. Um, so that's something that, to me, shows, again, the athleticism that they have on defense, that you're never able to really get something that comfortable. Right. So getting into those sets quickly yep. and getting ahead of – I don't know if they're going to press. I haven't watched them enough to know if they're going to press all game, but certainly against Purdue, that was something that made them uncomfortable. So not just sitting back 25, 30 feet, but getting into the paint. Yeah. Get Boo going to the hoop. Get that. Uh, pick and roll, get that zoom action with Big Matt will certainly be something important for us. And then hopefully then we can flip it on them and force them into some longer possessions that they don't want to be a part of. Yeah, certainly. And kind of like you mentioned, just a a new coach, a lot of players that haven't been with the team for a long time. So just some uncertainty in kind of how the team's going to play. Kevin Willard in his first year at Maryland. So be interested to see kind of what he brings. Certainly a really big game for Maryland. They'll be pretty amped up for this one. So a fun game to watch and interesting to see playing a first a team for the first time this late in the season. But anything else here to mention on the Maryland game before we jump into uh, around the Big Ten? Uh, let's let's uh, get going around the big matchups for the the next week. All right, let's start with over the last week some of the big games. I think for me the big ones that stand out. Nebraska's got to be kind of Big Ten team of the week. The winner, Tomonaga, the way he's playing is incredible. It's just super fun to watch, right? You know, I think that Fred Hoiberg is a good coach and I was hoping that he would be able to stay because I think he can have success in Nebraska had some injuries right and now they're finding that success up to seven and ten in the conference I mean in the, their last three games are certainly winnable so a chance for them to maybe finish a ten and ten they won't make the NCAA tournament unless they do some damage in the Big Ten tournament get to the championship maybe that could do it for them um, or certainly win it of course but just happy to see that for Nebraska you know I know any team's got guys working hard but I think for them a team that was certainly disrespected Tominaga the player that doesn't get respect so good good to see that for them and then other than that I think that you know Maryland with the win against Purdue's got to be the other big one I caught but what stood out to you 
Yeah. Um, well, just going off on that Maryland-Purdue game, for Purdue, that's the first time this year that they just haven't been in a game at the end. Um, yeah. So that was certainly something interesting to see. And certainly teams starting to pick up on them not feeling comfortable with the pressure now. Yeah. Uh, Indiana, Maryland, and Northwestern all doing it to them and them not being too comfortable. Ohio State tried it um, and maybe Purdue's finding a solution to that. But. Yeah. One other thing I'll call it too on that Purdue-Maryland game is that's relevant to our game is from what I saw, what really killed Purdue was about a four or five minute stretch. Purdue scored one or two points and Maryland puts up around 20, 25 points. So it was that scoring drought that really killed Purdue. Yeah. And Northwestern's certainly been a team that's been prone to scoring droughts. So certainly something for us to watch is to try to stay consistent. Don't have that five minute scoring drought, right? Hopefully we'll be able to avoid that. But yeah. Yeah, the scoring drought was tough, but the big problem for Purdue is they let that bad offense turn into bad defense. Right. Um, so that's something that I think we've done a good job of this year is not letting that happen. Yeah, um, hasn't happened much since I think that Ohio State game, really. Yeah. Uh, some of the big things I want to talk about for this past week is I want to first say for Penn State getting that win against Illinois and seeing Jalen Pickett score 41, yeah. I think it was 41, 8, and 6 or something yeah. like that. Just an unreal player. And to me – if he wasn't on Penn State, who hasn't really had a great season, if he was on any other team in the Big Ten, he would be up there for All-American Player of the Year, yeah. stuff like that. But just because he's on a team like Penn State, he doesn't really get that recognition that maybe he he deserves. But then the other two of the bigger results that I want to look at from this week are uh, Indiana taking down Illinois. Um, certainly for the double by race, that's a huge, huge game for, yep. for Indiana to get that after the loss to us. And then Michigan getting a nice win against Michigan State um, as they work along the bubble there. It was definitely a huge win for for Michigan. Let's move on here to the week ahead. So matchups that are standing out to me right now, I think that the big one, the biggest one on the schedule has got to be Fox on Saturday. Night slot, Indiana at Purdue. Purdue is really looking for revenge, not just on Indiana, but trying to kind of avenge those games, wipe the slate clean from Northwestern and Maryland. People are starting to say, is Purdue slipping right? They want to, I think, just you know, put that behind them, get some momentum going into um, the end of the season. But I think that's got to be the biggest game of the week. Yeah, that'll be a, a certainly a really good one to watch. I know Purdue fans are going to be itching to get into Mackey for that one. <laughs> yeah, that will be a, a hostile environment, to say the least. <laughs> I, if, if the calls don't go Purdue's way, I, I wouldn't want to be uh, DJ or Courtney or no. whatever Big Ten ref we no. put on, the, on the, the call for that one. But for Purdue, certainly a big thing that will be helpful for them is getting the entire week off. Yeah. Um, and come down into late March, this is something that, I don't know, I think people might not look at enough, is when do teams get that bye week? And certainly for Purdue, getting your bye week at this point in the year, mm-hmm. um, you know, with just three games left and then going into the tournament, Big Ten tournament, then NCAA tournament, certainly getting a good time for for that. The other big games that I'm seeing this week, uh, Indiana-Michigan State. Michigan State probably wants to pick up another win here, uh, really to solidify themselves in the tournament. Yeah. Um, honestly, not as big of a week as we've had in the past. You know, you have Michigan State, Iowa, um, but not one of our biggest weeks that we've seen here. Seems like a weaker week. Maybe maybe a time we'll finally see yeah. some division in the middle pack of the Big Ten. Yeah, I think, though, you know, the two of the other big games we can't leave out is Michigan at Rucker and then Rucker at Penn State. Those are three teams that are all kind of hovering in that bubble area and need to make sure that they pick up some wins. So I think those will be some big ones. But, yeah, as we get more into the season now, there are some teams where they are fully out of contention and those games don't mean as much. but. Still some games to pay attention to here in that middle pack. They're still pretty big 
middle pack. So let's move on to the power rankings for this week. So I think finally a little bit of a, a debate at the one the one two between Purdue and Northwestern. I thought Northwestern may be deserving of that one spot just the way that we're playing. I think that we may be one of the most feared teams, honestly, in the uh, in the conference right now. But three wins at home, so maybe that uh, factors into those wins a little bit. But we got Purdue at one. I'll let you speak to that count. I know you're a little stronger on Purdue at one and Northwestern at two. Yeah, I think at the end of the day. You still have to look at at the metrics. You still have to remember Purdue is the one seed in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, they've had you know losing uh, three or four there for a second. It is obviously a tough stretch for them, but it's just about the time in which it comes. Overall, the whole body of work, the team that they've proven themselves to be. If you match, if you asked any coach in the Big Ten, who would you least want to play? I would imagine most are going to say Purdue. Yeah. And for that reason, you just have to keep them up at, at that one spot. Yeah. I know North, we're, we're closing in on them for the one seed in the Big Ten tournament, but still for me, Purdue holds on to that one seed. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then, so we got Purdue one, Northwestern two, Indiana three. I think most people would say that's probably the one, two, three in the conference right now. Not too much debate there. But then I think when we get to four through seven is when it really becomes difficult. So, the way we sorted it today was Maryland 4, Iowa 5, Rucker 6, Illinois 7. Talk to those a little bit, Calm. Yeah, Maryland, I think you have to give that top spot to just because of that win against Purdue. I know they lose that game to Nebraska, but I can't dog on them too much with that Nebraska team and how hot they're right. playing. Uh, that The Purdue win really trumps that, in my opinion. Yep. And then the way you slot the rest of these, it, it comes down to how well you're playing now. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, um, Iowa still has won five of the last seven. Um, Illinois, though, not playing too well, losing right. three of the last four. Rutger, I gave, I think we gave him the benefit of the doubt just because of the injury to right. Mag and their Moat Mag, and they're still trying to figure out who they are right. as a team. And I still think they're very capable of staying up there in that upper echelon of the Big Ten. And then moving along here, eight nine. 10-11, a little more clear, but, I mean, certainly still some arguments to be made. We went with Michigan 8, Michigan State 9, Nebraska 10, 11 Penn State. Uh, Michigan getting the 8 with that win over Michigan State, put Michigan State at 9, and then, you know, some talk of maybe moving Nebraska up the way that they're playing, but it gets kind of back to the same argument you made with Purdue. You know, Nebraska is playing so well right now, but just some of those early losses, you know, Michigan State and Michigan still far ahead of them in the standings. So that kind of moves Nebraska to that 10 spot and Penn State just, you know, too many losses, right? And they pick up a big win against Illinois. Jalen Pickett's really starting to play really well these last two games, but still need to prove a little more staying power to, to move up there. And then 12, 13, 14, don't think there's much to chat about here. Still have Wisconsin 12, OSU 13, and then Minnesota 14. Anything you want to add on those? Uh, well, I want to talk about, at least as we get closer to the Big Ten tournament, Nebraska and Penn State, those are two teams I do not want to play. Yeah, the, the, Having a guy like Jalen Pickett and having a guy like Tominaga, just in a setting like the Big Ten tournament where all it takes is one guy to get really hot. As right. you see, Illinois plays great offensively, but just Jalen Pickett makes every single shot. Yeah. Tominaga's done it for the last five games to these yeah. teams. So just certainly that... Those the ten and eleven seed most likely here in the Big Ten tournament, not teams that I would want to mess with. Come to the Big Ten tournament on on Friday, hopefully, yeah. not teams I want to play. 
the only team I'd be comfortable playing is Minnesota, probably. Other than that, I mean, just too many good players, too many guys that can go off for any of these teams. Yeah. Let's move on here to the listener questions. So we got four today, and we will start with a question from Blake from Cincinnati. So this one is really directed at me more so than Calman. It is, why do you say Rutger, not Rutgers? So this goes back to a bit somebody had on Twitter a few years ago, essentially saying that Rutger had lost the S because they had really been one of the worst teams in the conference. I think this is back when they maybe didn't win a single conference game in basketball or football. Things have gotten a lot better for Rucker since then, but for me, they just haven't earned that S yet. They've had some chances this year, but just haven't turned the corner to really earn that S back yet. They haven't done enough to make up for when they let us go on a 33-0 run in the Big Ten tournament. So that's that's just impressive to do. Win, win some tournament games, maybe we'll give them some more credit. Exactly. In the 2017 Big Ten tournament, we scored, what did you say, it was 33 straight on Rucker. So... That was a very low point for them. So they'll have some chances to earn it back, but they still need some some more work to be done for them. <laughs> All right, moving on. The next listener question we have, again, from Blake from Cincinnati is, what needs to happen for Northwestern to get a double buy? So, Cam, what do you think are kind of the key wins here down the stretch? What do you think we need to kind of be rooting for in these last few games, last few weeks? Yeah, so you, you're really rooting for Indiana lose for – Maryland or lose just for upsets to happen is really yep. the the number one thing. It's not one team in particular right here that I'm looking at when you look at the standings, but it does definitely help us to have these tiebreakers here against Indiana and Iowa um, down the stretch. That'll be huge for us. You want to say, honestly, one more win yeah. will probably get us that double buy. Two locks it in, I think. I don't know what the exact yep. like numbers are on that, but I would have to imagine two locks it in for us. One puts us in a very, very comfortable spot to get that double buy for the first time in, in program history. Yep. Sitting right now at about a 74% chance to get that double buy. And I think, yeah, that game against Maryland to get the tiebreaker on them would probably be one of the biggest wins we can pick up here late. But I agree. I think if we get to that 12th win, we've got to feel really comfortable in two wins without a doubt. I mean, looking at it here now, we've got, um, one team at 10 wins and then three at four at nine wins. So just a lot of teams who would need two wins still in the last two weeks here. And most teams only have four games left. So if we can just pick up one win, well, we'll be looking really good, I think, for that double buy. But certainly a very likely outcome. Like I said earlier, our, our most likely place to finish in the conference right now is second place in the standings. Just a 5% chance to get that first place spot, but about 20% chance to finish second in the standings. The next question we have here is from Jake from Kansas City, and that is, what NCAA tournament matchup are you looking to avoid? What type of team worries you most? I think not necessarily a particular team, but just the style of play, what team would be something you'd fear most in an NCAA tournament game? It would have to be, as we talk about, the teams that really run with pace. Mm -hmm. So there's teams like Alabama and stuff like that. Certainly that's a team that you could, if we end up being in that seven, seven seed position, you could see Alabama maybe as a two seed if they lose some games. But any team that really pay, plays with a lot of pace um, and really crashes the glass hard is a team that I would be worried for. And then obviously on the other side of the coin, a team that I really want to play is even a team like like a Houston that they play with one of the slowest paces in, places, uh, paces in college basketball, um, just as Purdue does. And we've shown how we can be so effective against those slower teams like like Purdue and IU. Um, so certainly it's about that pace is the biggest thing that I'm looking for when I'm playing those teams where 
we are playing in our natural habitat is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think the two biggest for me would be one three-point shooting. I just don't think we've really played that many great three-point shooting teams. I mean, outside of Iowa, is anyone in the Big Ten really that strong of a three-point shooting team? Doesn't seem like it to me. So a team with maybe one, two really strong three-point shooters would scare me the most. And then other than that, just the rebounding. I think that has been such a problem for us in some games and can really just, you know, kill morale. It can be just tough. So if team that can out-physical us, teams that are really strong in the glass, I think those two types of matchups would be the ones I fear most. I think, you know, we've done a lot of, a good job of, you know, making adjustments, playing a lot of different types of teams with those have been the two themes that have kind of stuck out in our losses. Teams shoot well from three where they really kill us on the glasses, how they beat us. There's not too many other ways that teams are getting at us. It's obviously for me, it's easy to say like, oh, like a big 12 team is like scary to play mm-hmm. just because like they're so good. But they are scary to me in the fact that the athleticism of those big 12 teams, I don't know how much uh, many of you guys have listened or watched big 12 basketball, but whenever I watch those games, you know, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, Kansas, all those teams, they're so long and they have this this reach right. to me similar to a Maryland. So that'll be an interesting game for me. Sure. Obviously a good chance that you'll end up playing a Big 12 team in the tournament with them probably getting eight, eight teams in the tournament, I think, as of right now. That'll be something that I'm certainly looking for for once we get our, our seeding come March will be how do we um, face up in these, these matchups. Yeah, and hopefully the team we get in March, the teams will be teams that we maybe can draw in previous matchups for. If we're playing a team that we haven't seen anything like that all year, that's going to be really difficult. But if it's a matchup that, hey, that you know, the double in the post is something that every team's done to them that year, like we had against Purdue, that'll favor us. Just something we're more comfortable with. Don't have to change the game plan too much. Last question we have here today is from Darek. Darek? Darek, yes. So the last question we have here today is from Darek from Seattle. And he is asking, is 21 too low? So is that 21st ranking too low? I mean, I think it's a resounding yes. Cal, I'm shaking his head here. So Cal, why is 21 too low? I mean, so I think it was, I saw it on Twitter today, comparing the resumes of Northwestern and Indiana. And the thing I said to you earlier, if our name on the front of our jersey said Indiana, if it said Kansas, if it said, heck, Baylor, if it's at any team that you associate with good basketball, we would be talking about probably being in the top 15 right here. We would certainly be in the top 16, um, a four seed in the tournament. It is simply because of the jersey that we wear that we are not higher right now. Um, the resume speaks for itself. We're better against quad one. We're better in the Big Ten uh, than Indiana, yet for some reason they're four spots ahead of us. We just beat them. We're 2-0 and against them. It just comes down to the fact that um, AP voters and people that make these polls are not used to Northwestern being good, and we're just an afterthought and not much more than that. And that's really all it comes down to. And it, it is really frustrating, obviously, time and time again to see this from, from the media. Yeah, I think the reason why it's frustrating is not because, oh, like we really want that recognition. Like we feel like we deserve, you know, that 15 spot. That's not that important. But I think what can have an actual tangible impact on the team is, you know, how your NCAA tournament seeding gets affected. Because like you said, these are just media members, people who probably only watch primetime games, don't get a chance to see all games. And so, you know, it's going to affect recruiting. It's going to affect how you're viewed by other coaches. It's all these kind of cascading impacts, um, these polls. And I know there's been some criticism about how the AP poll works. One in particular is just the fact that, you know, these writers are usually just writers for individual schools. They don't have a chance to watch all the games. I mean, the Big 12 SEC writers, how many Big 10 games can they watch? How many games can the Big Ten writers watch of the 
SEC teams and things like that. So certainly some flaws in the AP poll. And I think just the impacts it can have on the team uh, are certainly there. So that's what makes it frustrating. Yeah, really just annoying to see. Yeah. Obviously, I've, I've definitely seen it in football. And to see it on basketball, too, is is frustrating. And I think probably some of the guys, like, you know, John Rothstein puts us at 25th and Indiana, he's doing. In Indiana at 15. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he's just too stuck up on, on the Ken Palm polls maybe. or the, the net rankings or something yeah. like that. But to me, I think the big thing is with – the one thing that I always have a question with when it comes down to the seeding, and I don't think the NCAA tournament has really provided a solid answer on this, are they going to be looking just at our net ranking here? Or are they going to be looking at our body of work? Because certainly that's like the big thing that they made this net ranking for a reason so that they can try and differentiate between teams. But when it comes to a team like us, us that doesn't have a high net ranking that just based off the net ranking would be a nine seed, but is playing like a four seed, how much are they going to weigh that in when they're making the decision will be a big thing come March for our seeding. I think they do use both, and it's not just the net ranking. If it was just the net ranking, we'd probably barely make the tournament. I think we're 40, 39th now, so we'd be probably barely in um, if you factor in the automatic qualifiers. So I think they look at other things. Joey Brackets, I think, had us at a six seed last time I checked. So they'll look at other things, but you know, if we can finish the job here, finish second in the Big Ten, I don't see any way we're not a five-seed or higher. So just finish the job for us, and you know the coaches say it, big time coach speak, but it's just can't worry about the rankings. If anything, more chip on the shoulder for our players. So hopefully it fuels them to to finish the season strong. Anything else here to close us out? Uh, yeah, I mean big week coming up. Uh, the one thing I think I'm going to be looking for off the court will be where will we be ranking Illinois, Indiana, and Purdue Twitter after this week <laughs> of basketball? If if Northwestern can pick up the win against Illinois. Will it be because of the refs, or will it be better? That will be something that will certainly be interesting to watch. Maybe maybe get a little ranking with the, uh, the, the Twitter fan bases in the Big Ten one day. Yeah, it'll certainly be another exciting week for us here. Um, two really big opportunities for Northwestern. But thanks, everybody, for listening to the Mostly NU podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, and share with your fellow Northwestern and Big Ten fans. Follow us on Twitter at MostlyNU and let us know what you think. Thanks, as always, to our music editor, Carson, and graphic designer, Jameson. Go Cats.